Hello, and welcome to the Leading in Times of Challenge podcast, produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. I'm your host, Mike Jefferson. Thank you for joining us as we talk with community leaders from across Greater Des Moines who share their greatest accomplishments and their biggest challenges. Now more than ever during these trying times of the COVID-19 pandemic, leadership remains crucial to the strength and resilience of our region. Let's hear from today's leader. Dan Houston is joining us on the podcast today. He is the CEO of Principal Financial Group and is also a former chair of the Greater Des Moines Partnerships Executive Board. Dan, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. It's good to be here. So in, uh, in addition to those roles that I just listed in brief, um, what are some other roles, whether they're community-based or professional, um, that you've been involved with in the past? Well, right now I'm also the uh, sitting chair of the board for the American Academy of Life Insurers, or what we call the ACLI. I'm also heavily involved in the Partnership for Healthy America, which has to do with uh, trying to reduce childhood obesity and trying to do away with food deserts, which uh, you may very well know that can happen in a lot of the larger urban cities where we're trying to do a better job getting fruits and vegetables and uh, a better uh, well-rounded food categories for dietary, uh, favorable dietary purposes. And then also, as you pointed out, uh, involved in Greater Des Moines Partnership and United Way of Central Iowa. So those are the big ones for me, both on a national and local scale. One other one I really enjoy being part of professionally is the business roundtable. It would be the largest employers in the, uh, in the country. And then lastly, the Employee Benefit Research Institute, which is uh, probably the foremost experts on retirement and healthcare related issues for the country. And so I guess too, before we really jump into the things, I really, I just wanted to ask you, how are things going um, as your organization has made this transition um, to, to basically working remotely. How are things going for you guys as a whole? You know, whether you're a father or a leader of a company, you, you're, you're proud of your, your children and your child proud of your employees when they do something exemplary. And I think about over the course of three days, getting nearly 97% of our employees situated to be able to serve our customers from their living rooms, dining rooms, uh, bedrooms, basements, home offices, that's pretty extraordinary uh, to do that in such a short period of time. Uh, We've had improvement in our uh, hold times. We've had great satisfaction scores. So it just makes you proud to think that we could amass the physical resources necessary to support our employees uh, so quickly on such short notice. Good. I'm glad things are, are moving along uh, in the positive direction for you um, in that aspect. I'm kind of taking a, a step back and, and we'll again, we'll circle back to the, the COVID-19 pandemic that's going on right now. But thinking about some of the prior roles uh, that you may have had, whether, again, community based leadership or professionally, um, what were some of the challenges or do any challenges stick out to you um, from those positions that you thought maybe were were going to be? pretty much darn near impossible to overcome at the time. Um, if you could go into some of those maybe a little bit. Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, one of the challenges I certainly remember back from the nineties was the implementation of a, a new record keeping system for all of our retirement division. And it was uh, in, anticipated to be uh, a plug and play that we would just pick up on a Monday and everything would be taken care of. We'd have more capabilities it, it would have more convenience for the customer, for our uh, plan participants. 
And frankly, uh, you can never test something fully at scale. Matter of fact, the tools we have today to test at scale is much better than it was in the 1990s. And so we knew that about 60 days into it, that it was going to be very difficult. And so you had two choices, either to push forward and make it happen, or you could rewind the clock and go back to the old system. And we made the decision to burn the boats. We were going to make it work. And it took us a year to get stable on that platform. And so I thought, Mike, what might make most sense here is to frame sort of my lessons from that. And the first one was uh, servant leadership. You really have to put yourself in the hands of your employees, provide the, uh, provide the necessary resources so that they can do their jobs and not worry about yourself. You're worried about them. The second is you cannot over communicate whether it's oral or written. And if you think back then, we didn't have the benefit of the internet working the way that it works today. It was, uh, we had email, uh, didn't have the video capabilities that we enjoy today. And so communications uh, was a very, very critical factor. The notion of creating teams of subject matter experts, multiple disciplines focused and organized around the customer, that was clearly a big uh, takeaway. And then measures, milestones, and metrics. The ability, because you knew you were going to not have complete success, but it was the ability to uh, create those interim milestones, appropriate measures and appropriate guidelines on time to reach those. It was the modern day version of agile today. And agile wasn't even thought of back then, but that was a great lesson. And I will tell you that personally, it prepared me to do what I was asked to do in the 0809 period. It certainly was the playbook that I used when we made the decision to divest of our health insurance business and still retain as many employees as we could. And it's certainly the one that I'm using today as we work through the COVID-19 challenges. And to that point, um, you know, being a leader and having to make those types of decisions sometimes spur the moment, sometimes knowing that you're going to probably receive some feedback from fellow members that, you know, aren't ready to quite make a change like that, that, um, that, that facilitates. What are some of the things that you did to kind of help keep that morale up amongst the organization and, and the different teams that, uh, that you had to work with? You know, there's an old saying that bad news never ages well. And I believe that's still to be true. Uh, and I think the worst thing you can do for employees is to any way mislead, misguide, lack transparency, or not be willing to be forthcoming with, these are the possibilities. And they know generally the possibilities. And to not be transparent, to not be forthcoming, to not treat them as an adult, is, is truly an error. I've never yet found a situation where I was disadvantaged or the team was disadvantaged because we shared too much. And along with that messaging, you have to be able to frame it. If this, then this. If that, then this is what could happen. And people like to know there's optionality. What, what's option A? What's option B? What's option C? And exhausting all of those and framing it appropriately, I think generally people respond uh, favorably. And I think that's 
servant leadership, uh, again, uh, where you're putting yourself in their shoes. Uh, they have families. They're, they're, they're equally as concerned about their employment, the impact it has on their psyche, the impact it has on their, uh, on their life. And so we owe it to employees to, to share that. And frankly, I don't think it's limited to just employees. I, I think the governor is doing that, frankly, with all the citizens of Iowa. She's trying to better inform people about the uh, potential upcoming uh, changes to policy. And that's, I think that's just good business. And so to kind of add one more thought to that, as far as, you know, we, we just talked about, you know, kind of what you do to help the, the team morale overall. Um, what do, what are some of the things that maybe you care to share with us that, that you do to kind of help keep your sanity? I know some people talk about <laughs> yoga. Some people listen to music. Some people, you know, have art. I see you have a nice little art collection um, there. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you do to kind of help you maintain that balance and focus to go out and lead your teams? Well, I'd, li- I'd like to tell you that I'm very good about working out and I am. My, my concern is that the results are lousy. Um, but I, but I do try to exercise and uh, I actually, when we've closed our fitness center temporarily to get COVID-19 past us, but I work out over the lunch hour. And part of the reasons I do that is to set the example that we encourage it. We want our employees to work out. I don't care if you work out at nine in the morning, over the noon hour, two in the afternoon, eight o'clock at night. But I think that all employees are well served to have some uh, semblance of work-life balance and how you, how you go about orchestrating that for a lot of us is through physical fitness and exercising, working out. You get a lot of great ideas while you're doing that. Uh, a lot of people volunteer their time. I think that's very important. I think being the chairman and CEO of a Fortune 250 company comes with its own set of unique challenges. And so uh, making sure that you're taking time to be reflective on the things that you say and the impact that can have on not only our employees, but on communities. So you have to be mindful of that. I think that uh, being well informed on the big issues, uh, those issues that are impacting all the citizens of Iowa and frankly impacting the uh, citizens of the country and the world uh, being aware. And so frankly, I enjoy that. I I like being a, a student of government affairs and business affairs and community affairs. And that's uh, to me, a, a, almost a form of, of a hobby for me. To wrap up, because I know we may have some, some people listening that have just stepped into a new leadership role and, and boy, I'm pretty sure this is not the way they imagine kicking off their tenure um, as leader of, of any type, small or large organization. Um, any final words of advice for those that are maybe coming into this type of situation in a leadership role for the first time? And I, and I mean this in all sincerity. What a great time to be a new leader and stepping into that sort of responsibility. Uh, I wouldn't let it intimidate me. Uh, once you have stretched yourself in your own self uh, created boundaries about your capacity to communicate, your capacity to think, your capacity to marshal resources. I think that this will stretch you. And uh, frankly, you're going to be looking for more opportunities in the future and putting yourself in a stressed environment. Those endorphins kick in. There is a, a natural tendency for all of us to elevate our game. And so I think it's just an absolute baptism by fire, perhaps, but make no mistake, uh, anybody who is a 
leader at any level, uh, you just became a leader three years into leadership or 36 years into leadership, uh, it's a great opportunity to hone your skills. The other thing I would encourage everyone to do is you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I still constantly look into the community, into the global uh, marketplace. I pick up on words and how people say things, how they're framing issues, how they're problem solving. I have a lot of, I, there were three other CEOs I spoke to just today to understand what they were doing outside of our industry. So uh, a great time to self-reflect, but at the same time, don't hesitate to pick up the phone. I know a former manager that you used to work with, pick up the phone, call a friend, call a colleague, but uh, you know, no one has to lead by themselves. I think you just have to have the courage and the self-confidence to know, like I don't know all the answers to all the questions. So put yourself out there and uh, be a good student as a, as a leader because I don't think that ever goes away. Dan, thank you for your insights and sharing your experiences with us today. We appreciate you taking the time out. Um, let you get back to it. I know you're still probably quite busy during all of this. So again, thanks for sharing uh, your story and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. And thank you, Mike, for what you do. I think getting these sort of stories out in the public domain is important and uh, appreciate everything you're doing to help Des Moines and the world become a better place. Thank you. I appreciate that, Dan. Thank you for listening to the Leading in Times of Challenge podcast produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. To listen to more stories of inspiration, please visit dsmpartnership.com.